It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. In just a minute, we have everybody's favorite portion of the week. Well, maybe not everybody's, but certainly many people seem to enjoy this hour of the week more than most. That is Ask Frank Anything, where we give you an opportunity to ask questions on any subject at 800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. So you can start queuing up now, whatever you have questions about. Uh, whatever the most creative question is and the most interesting question and the most thought-provoking question... We're going to give you a prize. We're going to give you a choice of a pair of tickets to the Staten Island Ferry Hawks game tomorrow or a complimentary Other Side of Midnight t-shirt. Whichever you want, you will be the proud recipient of. But I really wanted to begin by giving a shout out once again to the former chairman of the New York State Conservative Party, Michael Long. I was at his wake yesterday in uh, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. And Mike was a friend of mine, but uh, there were many others that knew him far better and far longer than I did. And I have to tell you, I was absolutely blown away at the show of affection for Mike at his uh, send-off. First of all, the floral displays that I've seen at his wake were unlike, no exaggeration, I've been to gangsters' wakes. This was unlike any floral arrangement I've seen anywhere. There were two floors of flowers, and they were so creative. Now, they had the U.S. Marine Corps floral arrangement, which is I've seen before for other Marines. But you also had one for his ice cream parlor. It was flowers made out in for his ice cream parlor. His uh, conservative party lapel pin was on his body when he died. He had a Long's Liquors, because that was his liquor store, Long's Liquors, a Long's Liquors floral, floral arrangement. It was great to see a lot of people from the community, a lot of political people. But to me, the highlight was uh, seeing his nine children there and the love and the fondness that they all had for their father. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of ways to measure success. Some do it with money, some do it with power, some do it with uh, influence, uh, some do it with fame. And certainly Mike had, I think, most, if not all of those. But uh, to me, if I could have my children think of me and speak of me as fondly as Mike's children were speaking of him at his wake uh, yesterday, that would, to me, be the definition of a life well lived. So uh, one more time, I know Mike was a big listener to this radio station and this show, so if he's listening to talk radio up in heaven, I'm hoping he's listening uh, right now. I'll give him one more time a great big send-off. I'm going to miss you, Mike. The New York political community, all sides of the aisle, right wing, left wing, no wing, Uh, And the community of Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, everyone's going to miss you. And in the words of your friend Barry Farber, whose campaign you were a big part of back in 1977, to be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morning. 
everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Well, tomorrow is the big day. We've been talking about it for a week or two. And finally, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, that is the big day. It is WABC night at the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. On the plus side, it looks like we are going to have some very nice weather. So that's good news. No rain. Won't be oppressively hot. Won't be too humid. On the negative side, I'm looking forward to playing softball. But we're playing against the NYPD softball team. Now, I got the lineup of who's playing in this game. Let me let me share this with you. This is not who's batting when or who's playing in what position, but Dominic Carter is playing. Now, uh, this game starts at 4.30. Warm-up start at 4, and if you have tickets, you could come and see us warm-up. Trust me, I'm going to need some warming up. And uh, the game itself starts at 4.30. Dominic Carter is playing. Dominic told me on the air a day or two ago that he has to leave to go see Smokey Robinson up in the Catskills at 5 o'clock. Keep that in mind. I'm in the game. I'm playing. Vinny Madunio is playing. I'm not sure that Vinny is much of an athlete at all. Lydia Serrani, she's certainly in great shape, but uh, I, she said on the air the other day that she hasn't played softball in years. Curtis Sliwa. Now, Curtis is pretty banged up these days. Maybe it's from getting hit in the head so much. Maybe it's from getting shot or stabbed or beaten with baseball bats. Curtis's playing days, his best playing days, I think, maybe behind him. Chad Lopez, our president, he might be the star of our team. He might be the best player we have. He's a great player. Justin Ellick, I have no, he's the producer of Bernie and Sid's show. I have no idea how good of a player he is, but he's a younger guy. He'll probably be pretty good. Chris Libertini, our production director, whose voice you hear and various portions of the show, including before the $1,000 minute, he's playing. I've never played with him, but he's a younger guy. Hopefully he's pretty good. Frank Diaz, the news guy, he's a younger guy who's probably going to be pretty good. And Jake Roberts, our marketing and promotions person. Now, here's what makes me nervous. We have 10 players. Dominic has already said he has to leave at 5. Curtis is on the air with Anthony Weiner until I think 4. I'm not convinced he's going to get there in time for the start of the game at 4.30. What are we going to do if two of these players are not there? Are we going to play the cops with 8 players? Should I offer to try and recruit a couple of ringers? I'm not sure how to handle this whole situation, but it's going to be very interesting, that is for sure. If you're coming to the game Saturday, you are in for a treat. I'm not sure you're in for a great display of athleticism, but you may be in for a great display of comedy. This might be the softball equivalent of the Harlem Globetrotters. So I'm looking forward to playing. I'm looking forward to having some fun. I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of you. Please come over and say hello after the softball game, during the game itself. I have to focus. I'm like Joe DiMaggio. I have focus on the softball game while it's going on. But after the game, come by and say hi. Meet Carmine and Rachel, and uh, I look forward to seeing you there. Those of you that pray, please say a prayer for us because we need all the help we could get. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Let me begin with a quick reminder. If you're listening live right now and you are ever not able to hear this show in its entirety, you have to listen to the podcast. In order to hear the podcast of these local commentaries, you're going to have to subscribe to the Frank Morano Interviews and More podcast. So that's separate from the other side of Midnight. It's available wherever podcasts are available, iTunes or anywhere else, or you can just go to wabcradio.com, but you have to specifically type in Frank Morano Interviews and More, and that's the only way you'll hear everything that the people who listen live hear. Now, I did want to say a word about congestion pricing. A lot of people have been asking me about congestion pricing over the course of the last couple of weeks, and my attitude when it comes to congestion pricing is it's impossible to 
say whether I'm for it or not. Because like so many things that government does, the devil really will be in the details. Now, if you look at the congestion pricing that Mike Bloomberg proposed back in 2007 or so, 06, 07, that was something that I could have been on board with because the details of that plan really didn't hurt the outer boroughs, especially the borough that I live in, too much, Staten Island. The way the Bloomberg plan worked was if you paid a toll, it was deducted from the congestion pricing fee. So that meant most Staten Islanders were able to commute into free, uh, commute into Manhattan for free. The other thing that I have not seen in any of the plans is when does it take effect? Is it going to be 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or is it going to include off-peak hours? Additionally, what does this billion dollars worth of funding that's supposedly going to be generated from congestion pricing, what is it going to give us in terms of increased mass transit infrastructure? Because we... If we're going to encourage more people to take mass transit, we've got to do a couple things. One, we've got to provide a financial disincentive to have them drive in. Now, congestion pricing does do that, but we've also got to give them more mass transit options. If you look at where I live, it doesn't make sense for me to take mass transit in because I'd have to leave my house an hour and a half earlier than I do to make it here at the same time. My brother, who work, who lives in Brooklyn and works in Manhattan, same situation. And that's what makes me so leery of embracing any sort of congestion pricing scheme is we don't know the details and my fear is that once this is implemented it's just going to get worse and worse the congestion pricing fee is going to get higher and the people that are exempted from it are going to be fewer and all of the details that i'm concerned about are going to be kind of lost in the sauce my fear is that with subway attendance declining, they're going to use this just as a revenue raiser. So I'm very leery of it, and I'm very hesitant to embrace this, because let's face it, it's another tax on working-class New Yorkers, the same people that are already paying so many taxes in the first place. So my position is, I'm open to it, but I'm not liking the sound of it so far. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. This will be our last hour together for quite some time. Unless you're coming to the baseball game tomorrow, then I'll see you tomorrow. But for the rest of you, I will be back on Tuesday, August 9th. So those of you that tune in wondering, where's Frank next week? Where's Frank? Courtesy will we'll be here. You should still tune in. You should still listen because I can't afford the dip in ratings even when I'm not here. But... I will be returning on August 9th. Now, we're going to be talking about Woody Allen a little later this hour in a film of his that I just saw. Woody Allen's been blamed for a lot of stuff. He's been blamed for marrying his stepdaughter. He's, he's been blamed for molesting another daughter. He's been blamed for a very messy divorce. And now he is actually being blamed for killing a 28-year-old. In this case, 28-year-old cyclist Carling Mott. Evidently, Woody Allen was part of a coalition of neighbors that helped defeat an Upper East Side bike lane where a woman was killed. Years before this week's fatal crash that cost a young Upper East Side cyclist her life, influential locals, including the filmmaker Woody Allen, defeated a plan to install a bike lane on the street where she was killed, according to city reports and records. Allen reportedly objected to the bike lane on East 85th Street where police say Carling Mott was killed riding a city bike because it could not be installed in a graceful way. So he, along with a lot of other Upper East Siders, he's the only one that's being singled out because he's the only one that's famous, spoke out in 2016 against a proposed network of bike lanes that would have included 
the block between Park and Madison Avenues where this woman was fatally struck by a tractor trailer. The city made repeated requests to Community Board 8 to propose the six crosstown bike lanes on the Upper East Side. The lanes would have been painted and not protected by any barriers, but the residents rose up against those plans suggesting the 84th and 85th Street lanes in particular would impair traffic and have negative effects on nearby residential buildings, clinics, and schools. So the community board voted down the entire plan based on input from residents. And now a lot of folks are saying that outcome looks especially ill considered in light of Tuesday's tragedy. But I have to say, I think this blaming of Woody Allen or the other Upper East Side residents that oppose this bike lane is completely inaccurate. First of all, do we know if this cyclist was wearing a helmet at the time? Because I'm amazed that that's not a requirement for all these city bike cyclists. It should be a requirement if you're riding around in a city bike in busy Manhattan streets that you have to wear a helmet. That's number one. Two, this truck, the street that he was on, is not part of a route that commercial vehicles are supposed to use. So maybe we should blame the truck driver instead of blaming the residents to be continued.